Hello, No Code Nation. I'm Ayush, and you're listening to my No Code Story. And this is not your typical entrepreneurship podcast. Here, you get to listen to real people who are building cool stuff, all without writing a single line of code. This is the future of independent entrepreneurship, and you have a front row seat. I guarantee you haven't heard about today's guest. Maybe not even the product that his company offers. That's because they call themselves a low-code platform, but really there's a ton of no-code stuff in here that could get supercharged with a couple of lines of code. My guest on the show today is Jinin. Jinin is the managing director of Throna HQ. This is one product I wish I'd heard about sooner. Go check him out at dronahq.com. We had a very open conversation that includes nuggets about his origin story and the early days of Drona HQ and their thoughts on the future of no-code apps. I think their vision is absolutely spot on. This is a company based out of India and I wish them the very best as they begin to make a push stateside. If you work a day job and your team uses cobbled together tools to manage business processes, these guys are sure to make you look like a rock star. Check it out. Hi, I'm Janine and this is my no-code story. Jinen, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a pleasure to meet you, although it's it's virtual, but I, I really, I hadn't heard of your company, to be perfectly honest, but I was really happy when we got connected and when we set this up, because after I looked up your company, which we'll talk about in a second here, I really you know found it to be compelling, right, from a no-code, low-code standpoint. So welcome to the show, and I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you, Ayush. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is mine. So every time we bring guests onto the show, we start with their backgrounds, right? So the idea is for people to get comfortable with the journeys and the stories that others in the space have gone through and been through. And I, in, in some of the reading that I did online, your journey was, it's taken a while, but then it happened all of a sudden. That's, that's kind of the sense that I get. Because uh, some of the stuff that you've been working on from an entrepreneurship standpoint in mobile app development has been going on since you know 2005, 2006. But all of the low-code, no-code stuff is kind of scrunched up between 2018, 2019, and now. So that's about two to two and a half years. So walk us through that journey. First of all, tell us what your background is, what you wanted to do as you were you know, uh, starting your career and so on, and then wh- what it actually resulted in. Sure. So I, I think I'll, I'll walk you like you know, upwards, right? So I did computer, computer science uh, in 2005 uh, is when I passed out. And then those were like, you know, the days where in, in Indian ecosystem, we did not really have a lot of startup kind of a thing, right? But uh, back in the day, we were working on some couple of ideas. Uh, so I did end up working with a company called Wipro for about like you know, a couple of years, which is like an IT service uh, company based here in India and has a global presence. And yeah, while I was working there, uh, you know, there was always something on, uh, like back in the day, mobility was pretty hot. Nokia phones were pretty popular and like, you know, Symbian phones and stuff like that. So we started working around those areas back in 2007. I think 
things changed. Android iOS came in soon, 2008, 2010. They were like pretty popular. So we kind of like, you know, readjusted our product line and a platform to make sure like, you know, that on the platform you can produce iOS, Android applications. And back in the day, we were like, you know, very focused around uh, publishing content onto the devices. So a lot of HR, and learning and development organizations within companies used to be really excited about what we're doing and they were the ones who are basically subscribing to the platform you know fast forward to 2014 we kind of opened up the platform to integrate and to add any kind of javascript on top of the platform to ensure that they can really make you know exciting applications and that really resulted in you know here is a container application and on top of it you could like you know embed any kind of you know front-end applications on top of it so and with that the power that they got was like you know, on a single app they could like you know put up uh, way n number of different end user applications on android ios a piece right so that 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 got pretty excited exciting for a lot of customers we onboarded like you know almost close to 60 to 75 large enterprise customers across it services pharmaceutical cpg businesses and you know some of them were really large and like you know in a way that you know they they operate in 20 to 25 different markets with our product at this point in time so um and then we were realigning our our pitch to something like you know some what what gartner the way gartner used to define that space and you know we used to call it rapid app development back in the day so madp and madp moved to rapid app development and that is how uh, 2014 2018 was a period where we were doing a lot of these rapid app development kind of uh story in our product 2018 is we started working on low code no code back in 2016-2017 uh to be honest like you know our kind of like you know uh, work uh, that entire thing out and by 2018 made we actually launched uh, like you know our uh, first thing in beta right so which was uh, like you know kind of put into uh, live mode only in 2019 so 2019 is when we actually like you know uh, took the rapid app development story and we added a layer of drag and drop to it and by 2019 we were like you know fully live with something which you know, we could take it to our customers so that's that's our story from like you know way back from 2007 to 2019 and how did we land up to no code no code but since last two and a half years like you know ever since we have like more than 5,000 uh, people who have signed up on the platform, out of which, uh, like, you know, we have around 120 plus odd customers right now who have been, like, you know, uh, working, on the, working on the platform. Uh, some of them are very large customers, large enterprises. And, yeah, so, you know, and, like, you know, currently we've just gone completely SaaS live since last six months. So we've been also signing up a lot of, would say, uh indie developers to uh, maybe a small team within a large enterprise so you know it's 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 going a little bit mixed back but right now we are hyper focused on letting people build internal tools on a platform so yes yeah so talking about customers i think it's really impressive what you have on on your website and and by the way the the journey that you walked us through was the entrepreneurship journey so the company journey i want to get into a little bit more of uh, you know maybe some personal stories that our audience can take away as well but let's talk about you know the timeline here for a second and and let's maybe start with where you are right now so some of the enterprise customers that you're, you're that are using uh drona which is your product and for for those that want to check it out it's spelt d-r-o-n-a-h-q right drona hq 
And some of, some of the customers that you have listed are, are companies like you know Wipro, LTI, Pfizer, Colgate, etc. And, and, and there are teams in here, presumably, that are using your applications. But if you think about the trajectory, you were really going with, potentially to the limits that software would allow you at that point in time. So if you think about 2008, 2009, mobile apps were just you know getting embedded into our lives and you know it sounds like at that time you were more on sort of an lms type track where you're helping people learn through mobile which of course there are a lot of solutions that do that now even using you know text-based you know learning modules and so on where there's there's kind of a text message interface and and uh, to even learn how to code and so on um, but then in sort of 2014, 2015, when JavaScript was the big thing and it was all, you know, web 2.0 and we were trying to see where this thing would go, um, you were kind of pushing the limits of that. And now when, you know, the technology, I think in the last five years, four to five years has finally caught up to what people wanted to do with it. And, and especially the proliferation of this term, no code and low code, you've started to now focus in on how can you enable people to really build on top of your platform. So I think that's a really uh, uh, fascinating journey where every step of the way, it sounds like you've kind of pushed the envelope, but then you, you, you were, uh, I don't know what word, but you were, you were uh, or, or a learning tool to something that uses JavaScript apps and, and, and then something that you know, more uh, empowers people to build their own stuff. It's, it's a good question, Ayush, to be honest, right, when, uh, let, let, let's take it like, you know, step by step. First pivot, like, you know, when we were doing more like learning on the move kind of a story, and then we moved to more like a technology story where we were like, you know, uh, so during that switch, uh, one of the things that we realized as a core of a DNA, we were more, uh, more positioning, we were more, more internalizing that we are more like a technology company and we would try like to solve a technology problem and we would like to go ahead and probably uh, you know enable developers to build uh, you know applications on top right so while lms was pretty much like a point uh, functional applications right and they were the conversations were more or less with the business or with say learning and development teams or HR teams and organizations, and which is something which was not really going well. With we, we were absolutely focused around how could we like you know make this transform this into a platform story rather than like you know just give them a product, verticalized product at that point in time. So that was uh, the first thing. It's it's there's more to do with us, not nothing wrong with the market. We could have stayed put with that specific thing and could have made it big, right? But we it wasn't really appealing to us. So by 20, 2014 is when like you know when we when we switched things, right? So uh, we use the same background platform and open things up, right? And that is how we kind of like moved it and said, you know what, you want to give me for your learning, go ahead. Like you know, we have opened up a platform. And then started working with uh, the customers and their development teams uh, within, like you know, the IT teams within these companies, so that they could like you know use and uh, customize the whole thing as per their requirements. So that is how like you know we we moved into from uh, you know point functional stuff to a platform play is is that that is when it happened. But from 2014 to 2021, like you know, if if we say now, right? I don't think we have moved or uh, we, we, we are not shying away from that as a thing. We're, we're continuing our path, our journey with the developers, 
right? Uh, previously, it used to be completely like, you know, front, I mean, like if I say full stack engineers or absolute development teams, right? And in 2018 is when, when, we, when we started looking at low code, no code very seriously, right? Uh, our purpose was to enable techno-functional people as well. So we wanted to, you know, broaden the envelope and say, you know what, if you're a full stack developer, you can continue to use our platform to build tools on top of us. But if you're not really like, you know, if you're a power user, somebody who's been using, say, something like Microsoft SharePoint and Excel and spreadsheets from Google, etc., right? Then you know you could still come up and you can still do things. So with that intent, we started like you know working around like you know pushing the envelope on the developer side of things to enable and encompass more developers, right? And eventually, like it also something that we realized is we also enable them to do things faster. So our customers, right? Uh, if they were launching one application, let's assume in maybe five weeks time or six weeks time uh, they were now you know we could see it that you know with something like a low code no code they could really crunch things and they can go really fast to the market so those were some of the things that kind of like you know made us do things switch things and yeah and, and the interesting thing for me in all of what you said is that every step of the way you've been kind of portraying the user and what the, what their uh, ideal outcome would be as you're designing the product. So I think that's that's really key for for any founder, but especially for people that are enabling no code applications being built on their platform. Right. Um, I think you're exactly right in that there there is a big market for business users. Um, I I work with some of these people on a day to day basis that are working in ra large enterprises that are really experts from a functional standpoint and are really embedded in tools like you know excel sharepoint stuff that you described and like to do right so they feel uh, you know uh, either from a data analysis standpoint or from a delivery or, a, or an information capture standpoint they are limited by some of the solutions that they already have and they would like to create something that has some kind of a front end on it, but then allows them to do all of the back end manipulation that they can. So this space, no doubt, is going to explode, but it has already exploded over the past six months. I mean, there's a, uh, there are a ton of sort of no code applications. I mean, SAP acquired a, uh, a leading no code platform, AppGuire, right? And Microsoft has been pushing on this, on this no code tool set as well as part of their power applications. What are your thoughts about competitors in the space and how, how are you Either, I don't know if differentiation is the right word, but how are you approaching this, you know, mentally? Talk us through what you're thinking right now. It's, it's a good question. I mean, there are more than two. Uh, in 2020, somebody, like, you know, when we were talking to one of the analysts in the space, he was mentioning. Right? So, um, how to, our focus has been very clearly, like, you know, at this point in time, working on the internal tooling as a segment so let me let me just uh, take a step back here and tell you uh, what how exactly like you know thing would stand if we, if at all we look at the market segmented into different genres within low code space right so at large if if you see right um within enterprise business application space, right? You would see that, you know, you need tools to make business applications, be it core, core applications. Like let's assume if you are an insurance business, you need things to like, you know, write or build an underwriting application, or maybe uh, you might want to build your CRMs or HRMS core systems, right? So that's, that's one genre of applications. 
And if you see pick that genre up, right, you would see that it, within the low code, no code space, some companies like Mendix, OutSystems, Uncork are like, you know, kind of targeting uh, those kind of applications. They, those are heavy applications, million dollar plus sort of deals how, is how it would kind of sum it up, right? uh then i then we look uh another space is uh about say things like automations what people like integromat or zapier are doing right that's other on the other end of the spectrum and in between you will find like you know players are doing forms field force applications so field force applications people are people like fulcrum pronto forms so on and so forth everybody classify into low code no code space right now when i when we double click and zoom into internal apps or internal tools now that's something that we've been doing since vast majority of our year i mean like you know of our time when we started in 2008 and like you know from 2011 to 2021 we've been working with those kind of use cases internal applications and internal tools feel uh, like you know we are we are absolutely apt for that specific thing and given like 10 years of engineering that we have spent into it, we kind of understand like, you know, what it takes to build, you know, scalable internal tools and B is what does it even need? Like, you know, for it to be an internal tool, right? So for example, you need a SAML integration out of the box, or you need an Okta integration out of the box and things like that, right? Which probably in a core business application, let's assume if you're building a banking application or an underwriting application, those things are not really required, right? So, you know, we've been very, very focused around doing internal apps and internal uh, tools, right? And in this category, we broadly like, you know, compete with Retool, internal.io or Jet Admin, and, you know, a limited set of players. And if you see uh, like, you know, largely these internal application players, right? They have been focusing around helping customers build uh, connected to the databases and then write events to make sure like, you know, either they are, you know, fetching in the data from those databases or APIs and then showing it to the users and enabling them to do some few actions on top of it, right? So now uh, we are we are perfectly positioned to like you know to go after this particular particular market. Simply put, because we have uh, you know at this point in time uh, completely responsive output straight out of the box coming out from Drone HQ, which means our output can work on web, it can work on mobile web, and also it can work on mobile devices. Now, if I look at the category of players that we compete with as on today, are the entire stack of competitor of competitors are only able to give mobile you know web front end only right now which means uh, you know we are going to give them our customers a lot more second uh, is like you know from a front end tooling standpoint right given our vast experience and what it needs uh, for uh, you know for building kind of use cases that you might really have right internally when you are looking at building these internal tools we have done a lot of work uh, so for example like you know we have embedded like you know a lot of uh, things which will allow you to really look at your boundary cases edge cases that otherwise in these tools you might feel like you know you might be limiting yourself but when it comes to drone hq you will be in a position to do it right uh, while being 
largely no code and yet you can do it right and of course we have opened it up by adding like you know you we open up javascript at different places so that you know in case if you really need to go an extra mile you could go ahead and you can do it so you know that's that's how i think like you know we are looking at the market very specifically going up to the internal tools and internal applications because we have history and we have the tool set and the depth to what we're doing that, that's great so you're relying on your strengths to go after your your audience uh, what um, what do you think about, how are you thinking about distribution? So how, how does a um, business analyst at a large enterprise corporation find out about Drona and how do they embed that into their workflow where they may be dealing with sensitive information, right? That is under the purview of their enterprise IT. Yeah, so uh, right now, like, uh, via our digital presence, via web presence, we are basically looking at, like, you know, making somebody come as a visitor and sign up for a free trial and then, like, you know, take it up from there. So we call it more like a self-serve as a channel number one, which is something like, you know, right now, which is really working great for us. We are almost growing at around, uh, you know, 18% on a month on, on, on a month on month basis in that segment, right? So that's, uh, that's one of, and the second is like, you know, we have been traditionally been like, you know, feet on street sales driven organization. So that's something that we are translating right now to more like an inside sales, given the pandemic things have been like, you know, pretty much, uh, you don't really need to go outside. So what we are trying to do over there is like have a completely outbound process and that's our second channel. And third is, uh, you know, we have a lot of partners uh, because we work with a lot of IT services companies, right? So we have a lot of partners in companies like Wipro, LNT, Hexaware, Mindtree, Accenture, etc. Right? That we work with, you know, when it comes to uh, enabling cases around low-code, no-code for large enterprises. So sales are pretty much like you know, I would say mid-market to SMEs is like you know what we are basically trying to do with self-serve. And large enterprises, we are doing it via SDR or, you know, outbound process. And we are adding channel partners as our typically like, you know, ways in which as a third medium or third lever for distribution. So one interesting thing there with channel partnerships is not only partnering with organizations that implement solutions for customers, but also partnering with companies that are building app marketplaces and kind of creating their own platform. Uh, so Salesforce has obviously done something like this, right, with the app marketplace for sort of enterprise. What are your thoughts on how a company like this that's focused on a business user solving problems within their organization but using your solution to build, how, can, how are you thinking about app marketplaces as a way to gain new users? It's 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 an awesome or a great thing. I am sure, like you know, Salesforce is a touch better, right? For uh, for a lot of these things, right? But as on date, I think our current challenge is uh, like you know, a like you said initially, not a lot of people in 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 North America knows about us. So our step one would be to amplify ourselves a little bit. And then, like, you know, I think we would want to work on the app marketplace. So just for the context, right? We already have an engine to enable somebody to come and like, you know, publish their applications and put it onto the marketplace. So that right now we're not really focusing a lot on there because I think our current focus is to ensure that you know, we have, you know, we, we are working towards creating a brand and creating some sort of an awareness about, yes, we exist. 
So if you are like, you know, checking out retool or internal.io, donorhqs, this should be considered right in your evaluation list is what we are trying to like, you know, work on at this point. Got it. Got it. And and I, I really appreciate the the emphasis on focus and and where you are in in your journey. I was looking at some of the uh, some of the material on uh, you know what the uh, web experience looks and feels like right now, and uh, I gotta say it it feels like you guys are a really well kept secret in this space because of the type of functionality that you provide. And I actually found the user experience to be fairly intuitive coming from sort of a, a hardcore Excel user, Tableau user type background and, and, and also kind of a, with a design mindset, having used Webflow and so on. It seems fairly intuitive to, to use the, the product from some of the screens that I've seen so far. But I also understand that you have an, an even more sort of user accessible version coming out fairly soon. Could you tell us about what the genesis of that was and, and what are some of the changes that you're making? Yeah, sure. So right now, like, you know, our editor drag and drop component in our application, right, is is pretty much well poised for somebody uh, like, you know, who has great amount of understanding on HTML, CSS, because if you want to really create pixel perfect applications, remember we come from like, you know, we've enabled more than 150 plus uh, enterprises, 2000 plus applications that have got published on our platform, which are like, you know, live used uh, paid applications, right? They're not like, you know, by actual users. So there, there was a lot of when, when, we, when we started working on it, right? We, a lot of our use cases initially have been like, you know, around, you know, wonderful, nice looking applications that had to be churned out. So our initially, whatever that we've done right now is meant for enabling somebody to create pixel perfect applications, right? But having said this, now that we like, you know, we've been in this market, we understand that our customers who are looking at internal apps may not be so much conscious about the UI, UX, as long as they can get things done is what their priority is. And to achieve that right now is quite a bit of uh, like, you know, there is a package of understanding HTML, CSS, or like, you know, making things, you know, in a the simple things right is not really possible because you really need to put layouts and then like you know divide the screen in grades like uh, columns and you know depending on that you can like then start placing your components so if you have like a designer somebody being used to webflow yes you can really build like you know great application really fast right but right now uh, what we find a lot of when feedback from our users is like you know, they need something simple and that's that's the journey that we are right now like enabling so probably like you know three weeks from now you would see that the customers will have we will be basically catering to both the kind of users a, a who don't care much about the user interface and b is somebody who cares about the user interface right so at large we are responsive like you know if you see right so we're going to retain that flavor whatever you build on donor hq is going to continue to remain responsive it's just that we're going to simplify things so you, you brought up a great point while you were talking about that, which is user enablement, right? So how are you thinking about you know, training and enablement for some of these users? I know, you know, obviously with the, with products like like Webflow University and you know what the folks in in some of the other companies in the space are doing, like Bubble has you know a whole program of non non Bubble trainers that you know train on on their platform and so on. What are your thoughts about how to enable large swaths of users within organizations? 
So we've, we've been investing heavily on our documentation. We've been investing on producing content that would enable these customers or these users to use the platform. We've been like, you know, putting in a lot of template applications there so that you can get started pretty quickly. Then there is, uh, you know, sooner you would see that we are also coming up with, you know, a five-step approach, like in the moment you sign up. Uh, step one, do this, step two, do this. It's a, like, you know, more like a guided tour, right? But enabling you to come to your hello world ASAP, right? So those are the things that we are doing. And then from our, what we are also doing is like, you know, we have partners who are basically giving a co-building sessions to our customers. So, and we have found this to be like, you know, very, very productive because customers don't really lose time. And, uh, like, you know, not a big learning curve to get started. They have somebody who's like, you know, so closely building things with them. So that enables them to learn things faster. So that's, that's just another unique thing that we are trying to do, right? You know, because we are enabling partners, we are enabling them to facilitate those kind of programs. So that's something that's happening. And yeah, and I, I, we believe like, you know, compared to a lot, a lot of these tools, so for example, retool, right? You need to learn JavaScript at large. You have to, you have to add JavaScript to your code. In our case, we do not really need to, unless there is a need, right? So we support out of the box, all Excel like functions. If you want to do something like a sum or a concatenate, you know, we believe that users would have a simple understanding on Excel-like functions, right? And because they, that's the kind of audience that we're looking at, techno-commercial people and techno-functional people and maybe developers at large. So, you know, looking at that spectrum, they would be in a position to understand things. A large portion of our audience are actually uh, founders or aspiring founders. So let's talk about the founder journey for a second. Is there a story, like an origin story that sticks out when you think about, uh, you know, how you guys started Drona and, and, and where you are right now? Is there a story where, where you know, you, you had some kind of a failure that you had to overcome? Nothing that really comes to my mind. We have, we have been like, you know, it's, it's a long journey for us, almost uh, close to 12 plus years now, but I'm not sure if I have any memorable story that I can share at this point in time, right? But no. How big is the, how big is the team right now? So we are around 45 people right now. 
we've been largely like you know we've raised uh, angel fund uh, we've raised like you know close to a million dollar largely bootstrap uh, we don't have a lot of baggage like institutional investors at this point in time but yeah oh that's awesome and and as you're as you've been building uh, drona what's what's one thing that you didn't anticipate uh, you would need to solve for is there something that that you know going in you thought things would turn out one way but but actually you had to kind of course correct uh, as you're going about this no code low code journey so in the low code no code journey like you know very honestly like you know we we ended up building quite a ton of things right i mean as on day for example like you know uh, we were not really building it for a specific end user is what we feel like you know if we if we if we redo it again if we like you know add a butterfly butterfly effect to our story back in 2018 then you know we wouldn't have probably like you know gone ahead for doing pixel perfect ui maybe to begin with right so we would have kept things very very simple so it's because of whatever reasons i think like you know we added those things uh, similarly like you know we have at this point in time in drona hq capability to add automations now we may have just told our users please use zapier or integral mac right but we ended up adding the capability and every capability that you add right we we got to add a team behind it to ensure that it's getting not just maintained but you know it gets uh, up to the speed with the platform right so so i i think like you know our story would have been razor sharp focus is one thing that i think we could have done within low code no code space rather than kept it pretty horizontal we could have like you know zoomed into one specific direction or one specific point right but thanks to you know kind of freedom that we have right and the things that we could do right now we believe like you know that has also turned into a sort of a big advantage for us because right now there are no formidable player in our category who could do a whole range of things in the way we are doing right and also just to let you know ayush we are also completely our business model is also very very unique because most of the players in the low code no code space they are more or less user based price we are consumption price and you know those are the things that probably like you know again because we have large plethora of use cases that you know we we initially thought like you know what is the best way to solve this and that's where like, you know we, we went with the consumption based approach so maybe if at all we so more you use a platform you need to keep subscribing to higher plan we are not really billing you by the number of users you bring into the system or the number of apps that you're building on the system okay that's that's interesting so what's the response been for for the commercial model from like enterprise users customers really find it very very interesting they they like it in a way because you know just to just to give an example right yeah we had a customer in australia who was basically like you know wanted was building one of the applications for his team which is just going to be used once a year think about it like a you know an annual survey or you know managerial survey maybe at some point in time right maybe once or twice in a year and imagine like you know uh, he's initially was supposed to be building it on microsoft power apps and the, the costing like you know if you go microsoft power apps if you see right if you go outside the o365 ecosystem like you know the the price starts at 50 dollars per user of, you know per month for an application which is going to be used twice a month you know he thought you will be a better bet because you use and you pay 
Interesting. So it's it's kind of a pay-per-use type thing, which I'm really interested in this because historically the number one sort of piece of advice that I've been given when thinking about commercial models is uh, sell to what people know to expect, right? Because uh, breaking in with a unique commercial model is, is, is in general uh, a much harder thing to do than to sell based on something customers already know to expect. Right. But I think this model is, is kind of, uh, it's, it's not kind of out of the blue. It's, it's more uh, something people know to expect in, in other areas, perhaps. Uh, maybe not enterprise apps, but in other areas. So I, I think there are some good parallels here. It sounds like the, the response has so far been, been fairly positive. What are your thoughts on growing the team? So has your focus been on hiring development resources or has it been on training and enablement, like you said before? So right now, I think our focus has been growth. So we, we are basically like, you know, working and expanding our, you know, growth team here. And, and again, like in you know, North America is our uh, large focus at this point in time. So we've been working very, very focused on that market and aligning our growth story with that. So we're hiring and everything is more or less centered around that single puzzle piece for us and how do we crack it into the North American territory. So yes. And to, just to on your previous point, like, you know, maybe on a consumption-based model, we are not the first, right? I mean, there are consumption based on API led stuff. Maybe like if you look at other development tools like SendGrid or maybe Twilio, they're all consumption based. And I'm I'm really surprised as a as a you know in a no-code low-code space, which is heavily a you know development-driven stuff can't really go user base is what primarily what we think because you don't know you don't know your use cases it could be a form which could be filled by like you know thousands of users you can't really price it on users yeah yeah so so you're basing it on the time spent on the platform is that kind of what you're looking at or yeah i mean um, amount of compute resources that are eventually going to get used right i mean i mean like you know if, if you just think how aws democratized you know compute based on time spent right in, in a similar line if you're using more compute you need to be charged more now you might be using it maybe for just one or two users but if your usage is high you know so be it yeah what's what's the number one piece of advice you would give to like founders that uh, are looking to get started in the space maybe build a product using using no code technology but based on their functional business ex expertise i I, I, I genuinely think like, you know, if you're a startup founder, your current goal would be to ship an MVP at the earliest in the market. And then like, you know, and I think uh, bubble has shown the way that, you know, a lot of people have been like, you know, pursuing the path of doing things completely on low code, no code. And then eventually if push comes to shove and like, you know, you think you're, you, it's, it's something that, you know, things are acceptable, then you might want to move out and build your own engineering team and do things yourself right so again uh, if you if that's that's precisely if you're building consumer tech uh, sort of a thing but if you're building a b2b tech uh, or enabling uh, maybe like you know say functions like uh, supply chain or operations and things like that right and if that's your startup idea that's your that you're toying with and i believe uh, you know tools like low code no code would really be amazing and they will enable you to like you know build your complete systems and things on top of it right so yeah i i, I feel 
you must really look at like you know keeping your objective in mind you want to go fast you want to make sure that you know your gtm you're hitting the market fast and you must look at uh, low code no code tools uh, at large and plus they will come with a little bit of ramp up time but you know and most of these tools today five years from now if you see they're going to not really have the barriers that you see to see they are they might exist today so each passing day they're just going to get better it's good to stick and you know be with a player who could kind of be there for longer term so that's that's something that you need to take your calculative bet on and i feel like you know if you go that route you will be you will be doing the same thing far better uh at a you know a to b in a more efficient way and that will enable you to like you know unlock your resources for maybe marketing spend or maybe getting your acquiring new customers or maybe like you know get your vc money or whatever right so that's that's what i would i would have i think i would like to say yeah i, I love that you brought up the future and uh, i completely agree that the next five years um are, are gonna see some we're gonna see some pretty tremendous improvements in this space um just curious uh, have you seen the pair programming stuff that microsoft and openai kind of put out there earlier this week oh no i am yet to catch up on that my maybe my weekend goal yeah this is really interesting it's not really applicable to like no code uh, but in a sense it is right so this is basically using openai they've come up with a system that uh, essentially codes for you so all you need to do is type comments around what you want the code to do and then it'll generate similar to how gmail kind of generates uh, autocomplete sentences now uh it's right. actually generating code which uh, which i think is is really interesting for certain use cases uh, even for people that maybe have some background in uh, you know front end programming or something like that but want to uh, want to use some of those same constructs to write a small snippet of code in some kind of a low code environment um the the future seems to show or point to some kind of uh, augmented coding uh, as part of this as well where um, it's it's really interesting i mean uh, even for the folks that are listening that uh, maybe haven't heard of this uh, just search for microsoft and open ai and uh, i think there's more marketing in there than than actual you know product but that's that's the way these things start right i mean even with uh, gpt3 nobody thought that so many applications would be powered by it and uh, you would be seeing a lot of uh, you know uh, copy being written automatically and stuff like that um this this could be the cusp of uh, we could be at the cusp of something really interesting here with respect to how ai is actually helping uh, low code and no code development uh, so i'm curious uh, your your thoughts about uh, some of the uh, future proofing uh, of uh, uh, that that founders need to do as they're looking at you know ai coming in and um and uh overhauling their field right so what what are you thinking about when you think about disruption in the future i feel uh, you know especially in our space into application development tooling business we feel ai is you know a little bit at a distance at this point in time like you know the open ai technology for example microsoft is coming in 2021 probably it needs another 10 years to make sure like you know it's it's really done a great job uh, and again like you know um especially in our business it doesn't really like you know sound like uh, ai is going to be uh, doing a lot of things of course you there are cases where you might want to use ai and enable your customers with ai so those those are different stories but uh, per se uh, 
coding without really like you know with ai might be a little bit of uh, you know distant thing but there are there are uh, more achievable things which are going to be like you know unlocked in in near future is what we see right because as on date low code no code there are you see if you take eight out of ten tools you will see that they are going to hit limitations or hit the wall at some point in time right when you start building developing on top of things and if you if you take that as a tool and see like you know things that they really need to do right they will be attacking those kind of use cases to push the envelope and make things bigger one thing is very clear right um coding versus low code is typically like you know a horse cart versus of you know the first board motor car which kind of came into existence right it's going to take you faster but you know with things and with time this is going to going to just become better it's going to push the envelope and it will allow you to do like you know things which otherwise maybe you wouldn't have been able to achieve with low code no code and you might think like you know hey you know what let's let's uh, let's do this by putting normal developers traditional developers on the job so i think uh, that's that's a journey and that's the next Three years is what I would see, like you know, how low code, no code industry would kind of uh, shape up until it starts to become the default, right? Where a founder just uh, instead of having to you know learn a programming language or or learn how to build apps on Xcode or something like that, uh, they're actually using a no code technology and deploying it across uh, experiences, mobile and web experiences. So it it, it could be really uh, an an interesting um, outcome of this all. Uh, Jinan, I, I had a, a ton of fun uh, speaking with you today. Uh, I didn't expect this conversation to cover so much ground, but I'm glad that uh, you know we got connected. I'm glad that we had this opportunity to speak. Uh, why don't you give our audience a handoff to where they can learn more about Drona uh, and what you guys have coming up, where they can find you and, and reach out to you if they have any questions or if they want to get in touch. Sure. So uh, you can look us up on, you know, DronaHQ.com. Uh, we are typically like, you know, a great tool when it comes, uh, you know, for you to build internal tools or internal applications. And uh, we believe your, your ramp up time would not really be like, you know, more than maybe a few hours at best. Uh, there are a lot of ready templates, etc., that you guys can start with and like you know, just get launched into building your internal tools. And we believe uh, that's the best way to do it because it allows you to save a lot of your engineers time and kind of redirect them to do something better. Um, just to ensure like, you know, just in case if you would want to reach out, then I am available at Janine at DonaHQ.com and would be happy to hear your feedback or any questions that you may have, right? Feel free to uh, bring it up and I'll try my best to address it. Awesome, thank you Jinan for taking the time again. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Same here Ayush, I look forward to keeping up with your stories in near future and of course looking at Microsoft OpenAI at some point in time. Absolutely. All right, that was the show. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed it and got a ton out of it. If you did, there are two things you need to do. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to get notified when a new no-code story drops. And number two, I want to ask you a favor. Who's the one person you know who would absolutely benefit from hearing this story? Text them right now and send them to mynocodestory.com and reference this episode. 
Maybe they're an entrepreneur. Maybe they can use this episode to level up at their job. Or maybe they're just someone who loves creating new things. Do it. Subscribe and then send them the text. Make a difference. Thanks again. And I'll see you on the next one.